Welcome everyone to 2023 season episode two of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney racing family for two decades and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news notes and a lineup of special guests throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Bushlight Clash at the LA Coliseum. Plus, we're going to sit down with Jonathan Hassler, the crew chief of Ryan Blaney's Team Penske Ford Mustang. Steve, welcome back to episode two of 2023. And I'm proud to announce, and well, I don't have to announce it because it's already over, but cars were back on track. And something we've been waiting for ever since the checkered flag flew at Phoenix. And it is officially race season 2023. Let's crank it up. Let's get it going. Let's uh, let's get to Daytona. Yeah, let's get to Daytona now. Uh, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the clash a little bit here. Which um, second year at the LA Coliseum, so things were um, they're very similar to the first year, which I was really hyped about. The first year it was something new. It was a spectacle. They had concerts and short track racing and a little bit of beating and banging. Um, this year, I still enjoyed the show. I think maybe I like the heat races a little bit more than the main event. Um, because as we'll talk about it, uh, guys really weren't afraid to beat and bang. So we went from about five cautions to triple that amount in this season's race. <laughs> and um, maybe I'll save our, our dis- discussion about whether it should go back till the, the end of the show when we do our race recap. Uh, but I think either way, I'm really glad that NASCAR is least able to kick off the season in a big way. Yeah, kick off the season is a good way of putting it. Uh, punting is a good way of putting it, too. Uh, <laughs> right here for those of you who are going to see the video version of this um, i'm holding up a picture of uh famous nfl punter ray guy former la raider um perfect guy to give the punting award um because we saw lots of punting 16 cautions worth of punting we did and even in in a heat race uh, there ryan wasn't uh, wasn't afraid to use his front bumper when when necessary so um really great like i said to see cars on track nascar kick off that season obviously we're looking uh to daytona in a couple of weeks and as we do that um we already brought in taylor kitchen last week for our first episode we have some other special guests coming along the way this year um uh, but we are definitely really excited to have as the aforementioned jonathan hassler crew chief for ryan blaney uh, the number 12 team Penske Ford Mustang here with us on the show. Jonathan is a 2007 graduate of Purdue University with a mechanical engineering degree. Uh, he also was an aspiring race car driver early on before he shifted into the crew chief and a race engineer role. So Jonathan, welcome to the Team Blaney podcast. Thanks, Adam and Steve for having me. Glad to be here. So we're talking to you fresh off the uh, the trip out there to the West Coast, the uh, clash at the Coliseum. This was year two of that event. And uh, how do you think things went? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, trying to um, j- just kind of quantify, put numbers on, on how we performed. I was really happy with the, the speed that we had in our car. I thought through practice we were, um, you know, pretty easily a, a fifth to tenth place car. Um, and then honestly, you know, from, from that point on in the weekend, we kind of got uh, one curveball after another. Um, some of that, you know, our own making, we had, uh, certainly the, the noted issue in qualifying, we, we 
kind of didn't get the setup exactly right and and Ryan maybe overdrove for for what we had and and we weren't able to get our lap posted at all with him trying to to turn around which which you can't do anymore so kind of had to try and, and rally and recover from that and um you know we had a really good heat race uh you know we we started um you know ninth uh, in our heat and we were able to to get in the transfer spot within a lap uh and and then move forward to to fourth so was really proud of our effort in the heat race and then um you know we were driving through uh in the main event um pretty good uh and then we we were as as were most of uh the field um kind of victim to to the kind of racing that we we've had um at the coliseum and uh you know kind of what we've had more and more with this car at the short tracks as as we continue to to race this car so yeah we kind of got uh shuffled to the back a couple different times and and um you know unfortunately kind of got a, a a lap down um and, and took us a long time to recover but we were able to recover and, and move forward uh and then we got you know punted and, and sent to the back uh one more time so you know i thought our car like i said had had good speed i think if we're able to to maybe start a little bit further forward um you know maybe we're not quite uh quite a victim um but like i said at the end of the day it's, it's a non-points race and i'm proud of the speed we had and uh you know i i'd I'd uh, yeah, I'd be excited to come back and try it again. It's a, it's a fun little little track, unique event. Do you think that this year the the, the teams had more inventory, had more cars coming into the event? Um, that maybe people were a little more willing to hit each other than last year. I mean, last year some teams only had one or two cars, and they you know were trying to be real careful. I think. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of factors. Um, you know, inventory for sure. You know, guys were trying to. Uh, you know, prepared to to have to turn those cars around, which was something that with the old car, um, you know, we wouldn't have had to do nearly as fast. Um, but then, you know, people have just really started to understand uh, how durable these cars are in general. Um, and, and you know, you're, you're able to kind of beat and bang and, and not, uh, not hurt the car to the point where you kind of get knocked out of the race. You know, I think in the past, if you had contacts kind of like we had at the Clash, you'd have had guys that were, you know, knocking the radiator out of the car and, and things like that. Um, and, and you said, this car has just been really durable. And, and unfortunately guys are kind of able to, to drive like animals and, and you kind of get the kind of racing that, that we had. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Ryan, I mean, you know, Ryan took some pretty big hits to the, the front end. And I thought for sure, even from the first one, the radiator would be gone, but so we don't need to get too controversial or anything, but there's a, a question a lot of fans had last night. the fact that uh, when Ryan was involved in that first incident, he went a lap down and all race long, they're talking about how cautions didn't count. Um, did you ever get a ruling on that or an explanation on like how you guys still ended up a lap down when caution laps aren't, aren't counting in between? No, we didn't get uh, really any clarification. I will say that they, they, uh, I believe they called the same sort of thing similarly for, um, for Brad Kozlowski yeah. and, and one of his races. Um, so, you know, they, they were at least consistent, um, you know, I watched the the replay and, and uh, you know, I could kind of see both positions. Maybe we did get passed by the, the 11. Um, so, you know, whether that was under green or under caution, it was certainly under caution. Um, so, you know, I don't 100% agree with it, but it's definitely their, their world and, and we'll play to the way that they, uh, you know, officiate it. Yeah. And you guys obviously did a great job getting that that lap back and racing your way back up into the top 10 before before that next incident kind of derailed things. So 
uh, before we get to, uh, and we're going to be on to Daytona now, now that this exhibition race is over, but before we talk about Daytona, we want to spend a little bit of time to talk about you. Um, last year was your first year as a full-time crew chief, first year with Ryan Blaney. Um, so we want to talk about your journey into motorsports and kind of what got you into things in the first place. But, you know, from what I understand, you were, you're a pretty active athlete in high school, but also along the way, you were an aspiring race car driver, kind of starting with go-karts. So can you talk about, about how you got into racing in the first place? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it all kind of started, um, really just with my family, very, uh, you know, mechanically, uh, inclined, um, my, my dad, my grandpa, my uncle, they all ran a, a trucking company. Um, so, you know, I was always around kind of tools and machinery and things like that. And um, my dad kind of got to got to be uh, friends, I guess you'll say, with, with the guy that owned the local go-kart track and um, had an opportunity one weekend where, where that guy's uh, son wasn't going to be able to race. Um, the guy said, hey, you know, bring your boy out on uh, Tuesday night. Let him take a couple laps. Um you know, if he has fun, he likes it. He, he can race on Saturday night. Uh, so we went, we did that. We raced Saturday. And then the, the following Saturday, we had bought all of our own stuff and, and we were there racing on our own. So started that, uh, I think I was eight, eight years old when I started racing go-karts. Um, go-karts kind of turned into a bit of a, a family affair for, for me and my whole family. Um, you know, there was a time when, um, you know, uh, three of my brothers, uh, my mom, my dad, and myself were all racing uh, out of the back of a pickup truck uh, set at the local track. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty exciting uh, family family affair, and and went through that for um, I would say three or four years where we were all kind of doing it, and uh, everybody kind of got had the feel of it uh, except for me. Um, <laughs> And that was uh, kind of, I think, when I turned 13 or so, right at that age, I, I really honed in that, that I wanted to do something with, with racing um, as a career if I could. Um, and and my, my family was uh, fortunate to be able to try to take things to kind of a higher level. And then we got to, to traveling uh, with the go-karts. We, you know, we went to, from, you know, racing at a single track, you know, 10 minutes away to, to driving you know, four or five hours, some weekends to go race and racing from racing, you know, once a week to racing two or three times a week at, at times. So, um, did that for, uh, for a few years and, um, got the opportunity, uh, about, about the same time, I think 13, 14 to, to drive, um, a, a mini sprint modified midget, whatever you want to call it, lots of terms for it, but, uh, for, uh, for a guy in our area. Um, so I had, a three or four years while I was doing both go-karts, uh, and the, the mini sprint. Um, and, and kind of during that time, um, you know, Ryan Newman was, was really kind of getting his name out there for, you know, having his engineering background and, and all that was, you know, doing for him and, and racing. And, um, he was a pretty graduate, um, and, and kind of led me kind of down the path of, of wanting to go to Purdue and, and do uh, mechanical engineering. So, I uh, got enrolled at Purdue, um, and, and kind of when I moved up to Purdue, um, at that point, kind of the the driving opportunities kind of fell apart. Um, I, I tried really hard for for a few years to, you know, start some um, a super late model program. I, I did. I was able to kind of start a program at Purdue um, that got you know myself and and 
some other guys at school that I got to to be around. Um, just the opportunity to work on late models and and you know big race cars. Um, you know, one thing that I saw when I was at Purdue, there's a lot of uh, you know, there's opportunities to kind of work on a formula car and Baja car and things like that, where you do a lot of design work, but there weren't a lot of opportunities to go out and actually work on actual cars that were racing and, and, you know, design aside, just work on the setup and, and maintain the car. Um, so we got a group of guys to do that. Um, that was, uh, so 2006, 2007 timeframe. Um, and, and I actually, at that point in time, I got, uh, to work for um, Hendricks County Motorsports uh, out of Indianapolis, and uh, their driver at the time was Chris Gabehart, uh, name you'll recognize. He's your <laughs> yep. chief for Denny Hamlin. Um, Chris and I became good friends at that point in time, um, and like I said, worked there for for a few years. Uh, fast forward maybe to my senior year uh, in college, I, I went down to. Uh, to Charlotte and started kind of knocking on doors with, again, that same group of guys uh, from Purdue that were working on the late models and uh, got an internship with um, MB2 Motorsports at the time. Um, spent uh, a summer working for MB2. Uh, that was at the same time, kind of MB2 went to Ginn uh, and then kind of into the DEI. So I was there through all that. I was there the, the day they were kind of bought out by DEI uh and then graduated college and had a couple different opportunities from from there uh could have continued with dei or, or had the opportunity to to go to penske as a race engineer on the, in the bush series and uh took that opportunity and and was there i've been there ever since so i think this is my it's either my 15th or 16th year with, with team penske yeah now that, that's pretty impressive we we talk to a lot of people about um when we do these interviews, like how do you get into racing? How do you get into NASCAR? And it kind of sounds like you took it into your own hands to, to start this, uh, this group at Purdue to get a bunch of like-minded people together and kind of go on this journey together. Are there other kind of graduates of that group that are working in NASCAR today? Yeah, there are. There, there are a few, uh, a few guys um, that have kind of come and gone, but they got themselves into the sport and, and were in the sport for, um, you know, anywhere from five to 10 years. And then, uh, another girl that was with us, um, Angela McCollum, uh, her maiden name anyway. Um, but Angela, uh, she's still in the sport. She was with, uh, on the NASCAR side for, uh, I don't know, five to eight years maybe. And then, uh, she, she moved back to Indianapolis to work with Chip Ganassi and she was actually one of the engineers on the, the 500 winning car, uh, a couple of years ago. So, uh, pretty cool that that you know that group of of guys that were guys and girls that were together at the same time have, have gone to so many places. Now you said you've been with Penske pretty much ever since in your whole career, and you've, you've moved up the ranks. Like you said, you started in the in the Bush Series, Xfinity Series level. Uh, eventually, you you worked your way up, and you you worked as a race engineer for uh, Brad Keselowski, and you guys had some some pretty big success over that run, winning some of the biggest races in the series. Yeah, Brad, uh, I would say that brad's probably the for sure from a win and result standpoint probably the the biggest highlight of my career certainly as a as a race engineer um you know we were able to win the the southern 500 uh the brickyard 400 um all within a couple of weeks uh i think we made the uh, final four uh probably i don't know maybe two years uh, 
two years of the four or five that I was with those guys. Um, so yeah, definitely had a lot of, a lot of fun with Brad. He was, uh, you know, he, you know, he, he honestly turned Penske into, into kind of took him to the next step from, from where they'd been when he joined in 2010. Um, so it was fun to, to kind of go on that journey with him. What kind of, um, what kind of things does a race engineer do as compared to crew chiefing? Um, you know, what kind of skill set is that? Yeah, it's, um, it, it certainly varies and, and it's definitely evolved, uh, through the time that I've, I've been in the sport. Um, but the race engineer kind of classically is, is, um, he handles a lot of the different, a lot of the information, um, in terms of how the car's built, um, you know, sending the specifications to the, to the mechanics and to the shop to, you know, the level of detail that the, every piece and part of the car is built to, um, you know, the crew chief is there kind of with him, uh, developing that spec, kind of talking that over, but he, he's the one that kind of maintains it and kind of fills out that, that paperwork, um, you know, gives a crew chief kind of different ideas on, on different directions on setup, um, handles, uh, fuel mileage and those things during the race, uh, analyzes the data, uh at tests and and throughout a weekend so uh, really the the right hand man to the crew chief and and giving him all the information that he needs to to make the right decisions now we talked a little bit about the next gen car when we talked about it being the second year going there with the clash Uh, from what i understand you were involved a little bit in the development when it comes to team penske before you got that uh chance to go crew chief can you talk a little bit about your involvement there and did any doing any of that early on before it ever hit the track give you uh, any kind of advantage going into uh, being a full-time crew chief with the new car for its first year? Yeah. Uh, you know, 2020, uh, for me, um, 2020 and 2021 was, I was certainly starting to get a little bit tired for lack of a better word in the, in the race engineer role. Um, but you know, we saw the new car coming and I definitely, you know, worked with, uh, you know, had a, talked to Travis Geisler at our company and, and, um, other parts of our management about, you know, trying to, to put myself in a position to spend a lot of time with that, that car and that new project. Um, so yeah, we were able, I was actually able to go test with Ryan in, um, I think it was May of 20, May of 2021, I think. It was one of, it was the first, it was the second test that Penske did with the, the next gen car. Um, so I was able to, to be around it, you know, from the very beginning and, and try to, you know, there's a lot of different parts and pieces and with the independent rear suspension, try to, try to get my eyes on it really early. And it definitely, definitely helped me to, you know, when we started testing with our own cars in, in 2021, kind of be at the forefront for our team of kind of thoughts and ideas and, and, things we needed to do between last year and now like last year you knew what the box was as far as like the adjustments you could make but as the notebook is growing on it um are you finding more and more ways to be able to adjust the car um than you did like early last year yeah and i think you know the box continues really to 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 grow um you know there's some things that the box is getting smaller you're kind of refining but there's certainly things that you thought you knew that, that you kind of go back and, and reevaluate and, and maybe start to go a different direction. So, you know, early on, um, I think we based a lot of the the things that we did just on 
um, you know, parallels that we could draw with the old car and, and philosophies that worked with the old car. Um, but yeah, I think throughout the year, uh, you know, people have started to, to diverge from those philosophies a little bit and some of them worked and some of them haven't. So, you know, with the, um, the limited number of things that, that we can change, you certainly got to be, be creative and open-minded to, to doing things different. So in the middle of working on this, this next gen program ahead of its launch, uh, you get the call to serve as a, a interim crew chief uh, for one race uh, for Joey Logano when uh, Paul Wolf was suspended, I think for like a lug nut violation or something like that. So that was kind of your first taste as a crew chief. And then not soon after that, you get called up to take over the, the 21 car with the Wood Brothers. Um, was it easy to, to just kind of change gears that, that quickly and take on a, on a whole team or uh, did you, was it a little bit of a challenge at first? Um, actually, and so not to correct you, but I actually got, got one more in before that. I got, uh, I think it was the, the spring race at Martinsville. Um, Greg was out, um, on the 21, uh, COVID protocol. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. The spring race of Martinsville, uh, 2021. So I got to do that. And that was cool. Cause you know, Greg, uh, I have a lot of respect for Greg. Um, Greg and I have always had a, a you know, a good kind of ability to, to communicate and, you know, when I went to do that first race, he kind of definitely kind of took me under his wing and, you know, prepped me on all the different scenarios that, that might come up. And I felt like I was able to kind of, even in that one week, kind of contribute to to that group just with some different uh, ideas that I had as well. And, um, you know, we were, we, that very first race, we actually, uh, I think pretty early on in that race with Matt Martinsville, um, we had some damage that we had to sort of kind of recover from and and we were able to, to I think go on and, and get a top 10 finish with a you know pretty beat up car and then yeah fast forward a, a couple months uh Paul has his his uh like I think you said it was a lug nut penalty or something along those lines and um you know pretty similarly we had uh we had radiator damage um really early in that race uh and we we fought uh water temperature throughout the whole race and we were um, you know, tape on the nose, tape off the nose. Um, it, it was a huge struggle, but we were able to come back and, and, you know, drive from the back of the pack at Dover to, to get a top five. So that was really fun. And, and yeah, definitely after those two uh, events, you know, I'd always wanted to be a crew chief, but then, you know, having the opportunity to, to do it for a couple of races, um, you realize that, hey, this isn't, you know, this is more than just something I want to do. This is something I can do and, and definitely kind of lit a fire under me to, to try to find the, the next, you know, a full-time seat. So how does the, then from, you know, from the end of that season with the, the 21, how do you get to the 12 car? What was the process like of being, being able to be picked, um, you know, for that, uh, for that job? It's kind of crazy how it worked out, but um, you know, I had never worked with Ryan, uh, specifically, I'd never been on his car, um, except for, um, I'll backtrack. There was one year. So I was, um, Xfinity series kind of race engineer, uh, 07 to the middle of 2011, uh, was cup in cup 2011, 2012, and then actually did, uh, took a year off the road in 2013 and kind of did for the most part, R&D work for Penske. Uh, but during that time, that was right when Ryan was coming on board. And uh, I got to do at least one, maybe two uh, Xfinity races with him uh, at that point. Um, so kind of just 
started that relationship and I, and he was always somebody that I could kind of talk to along the way. And, um, he was, he at least felt to me kind of closer in age and was easier to talk to. And we could always talk about stuff kind of outside of racing. Um, so kind of, we had that relationship going and, um, somewhere along the way I had told him that, you know, if there was never opportunity to work with him, that, you know, I would be, I would be happy to do it. I, I'd like to, you know, talk to him about it. And, um, you know, all the pieces kind of fell in place with, you know, getting a few different races with the the 21 and then kind of filling in with the 21, um, for the second half of that, that season. Um, and then things kind of worked out with, you know, Todd, uh, retiring right at the, the right time. Um, you know, I kind of made Ryan shortlist and we were able to, to kind of, honestly, we went out and had a beer and kind of talked about our different, you know, our philosophies and, and how we, what we think about racing and, and, you know, everything lined up to, to move on together. Now you talked about the relationship there and you, you mentioned Todd Gordon, who, when he came over to crew chief for Ryan, after Ryan was with, with Jeremy Bones for so long, Todd was kind of, at least from us, you know, listening to the radio and things kind of like more of a father figure, you said you were a little bit closer in, in age. Um, how do you kind of balance that by still being the, the leader of this team? And, 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 you know, sometimes, you know, outside of the car, Ryan's pretty even keel and cool. He doesn't make too much noise. You know, sometimes he can get a little bit worked up. It seems like, like on the racetrack. So um, how has that relationship developed? Maybe just over the radio or over yeah. the car as you guys was, have worked it, through the it, year. You know, it's certainly something that uh, we continue to, to try to, kind of find that sweet spot, I guess you will, for, for lack of better terms. Um, you know, I've made comment to Ryan before that, you know, I thought, um, you know, when I, when I did that half a season with Matt, I, I thought I kind of knew, um, what my job was and, and, you know, the, the right way to, to communicate to a driver, but then, you know, you, you, you get a new driver and, and they respond differently to those same things. And, and, uh, they don't need the same level of input. Um, so that's something that I've definitely worked with. I, I tend to, you know, so far I've been, been pretty uh, calm and quiet with Ryan. And when he has his, his little blowups, um, I try to let him kind of, kind of deal with those. Um, but, you know, it's something we talked about a lot, even over the winter of, you know, what's right. When do I need to intervene? How can I do the best to, to you know, help him kind of move on? Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that, that we've continued to, to re refine, I guess. And, and fortunately we do have that good relationship where, you know, outside of the car, we'll, we'll have a pretty, pretty, you know, open conversation about what happened and what we need to do differently the next time. And, and all we, all we try to do in, in general on the 12 car is, you know, learn from each and every week and try to be a step better and, and let the results kind of go from there. Yeah. And I, I do the scanner report every week. Uh, if you, you know, if you've heard the show and, and um, I noticed the terminology is really key and uh, notice, especially even this past weekend, he, he gave tons of feedback at certain points in time. Uh, is that something you guys, uh, cause you guys really understand each other. Um, I don't understand half the time what he's, what he's telling you. Um, how do you decipher some of the things he's telling you to, to, to make the adjustments that you need to make? Yeah. You kind of just, uh, you know, try to continue to, build up that notebook and, and, you know, I, I try to work a lot, um, in a number scale, uh, you know, tell me on a, on a number scale, 
how bad whatever it is that you're fighting so that you know with 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 data points for i'm going to get all uh engineering on you but you know mm -hmm. the more more data points we get the the better um i have the you know the ability to to decipher and understand what he's saying so um try to you know take all emotions out of it for sure and and just give me a number on on what you have and, and what we need to do to, to be better now we talked a little bit about working through you know frustrations on the racetrack and uh some of the things that happened and again to be clear this wasn't just the 12 team this was up and down pit road all year long but pit crews struggled uh getting used to this new uh chore choreography for some teams um, just the new tires and, and wheels, the new single lug. Um, what have you guys done uh, at Team Penske kind of over the off season to maybe work on on the pit crews for for the upcoming year? I don't I don't think you've really made too many personnel changes, but I'm sure they're they've been practicing really hard uh, for sure. this upcoming season. Yeah, you know, in, in general, there's been a lot of um, evolution, I guess I I could say, um, you know, in that area probably not only within our company, but, but within, uh, you know, the whole garage, you know, as, as the cars kind of get closer and closer together, um, you got to find that next thing that, that you can really kind of utilize to, to set yourself apart. And, um, pit road certainly set, you know, teams apart, uh, throughout the year. So, <clears throat> um, you know, we, uh, looking at how the year went for us last year, um, you know, we had our, our bumps. Uh, we had to make some changes along the way, both, you know, personnel wise and, and just um, as well with, you know, technique, uh, you know, our, our rear changer, Zach, um, you know, he he was one of the ones that that was penalized uh, with along with me um, after that Bristol race. Um, you know, during his four weeks off, he totally changed his technique and went from, you know, a, a a right-handed pull to a left-handed pull and, and made a lot of time. Um, you know, uh, we had other people in the off season that the same thing, there were a few different, you know, techniques on pit road that, that were probably a little bit faster. And, and our guys kind of went and, and tried those new techniques and implemented kind of what they could to, to be better. Um, so I was, you know, I was really proud of, of where our team ended the year last year. I think if you look through the, through the chase, um, we were, we were definitely in the top half, maybe even in the top quarter of, of the, of the, you know, final 12, um, with our pit road performance. Um, you know, and if you look at kind of where we started the year and the few races that we clearly gave up on pit road, you know, I was really, really proud of the effort. So continue to, to, you know, try to do things, um, differently in that area. And, you know, just like anything else, um, try to, try to be better than we were, you know, the previous event. Um, and it takes, you know, it takes the whole team. I've asked a lot of our, our road crew even to, you know, participate with things through the week that, that can help the pit crew and, and help us, you know, be a stronger team. So we continue to, to try to grow uh, as a race team and, and I hope the results will show it this year. Now you mentioned the suspension that you're on after that race at Bristol for a tire kind of getting away on pit road. NASCAR has amended that policy for 2023 to where crew chiefs are no longer going to be suspended. I'm going to assume you are uh, in favor of this rule change because it did take you out of some key races in the playoffs last year. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely in favor of the rule. Um, you know, at the end of the day, as, as bad as it maybe seemed, um, 
I am fortunate to be at Team Penske uh, where we have some depth. Um, you know, I thought it was a pretty uh, solid move on on part of our company to, to put kind of Miles uh, Stanley in that position. Uh, Miles and I have, have, as long as he's been at, you know, Team Penske, have been, you know, kind of shoulder to shoulder working alongside of each other. And, and we were able to get through that. Um, honestly, you know, that probably strengthened our team a, a little bit with, um, you know, just adding adding a few more thoughts. Um, so, yes, I'm in favor, but certainly it wasn't anything that we couldn't get around, obviously. So you're a couple of years into being a, a full, uh, well, you had a, almost a half year with Benedetto and then a full year with Ryan. Uh, all that time before that, you worked on more on the engineering side. So how did you get your arms around strategy and calling races? Because with the 12 car last year, you guys were one of the most consistent cars all year long. You built up a pretty decent amount of playoff points with stage wins and uh, just stage points throughout races. It seems like you guys kind of really leaned in on trying to gain as much stage points as you possibly could. And really with some of the struggles you had throughout the playoffs, that might've helped keep propelling this team through round by round Um, going into this season. Are you still, I mean, like I said, it just seems like that from the outside, are you still kind of going to lean on this, this aspect of needing to get as many points as possible? Or do you think, you know, going winless last year outside of the all-star race, do you think you need to be, take more risks to win races? Yeah. You know, I think if I had to, to do, a few different points of the season differently. Um, there were certainly a couple of races. Uh, you know, I think Coda comes to mind specifically where, you know, I think we ended up scoring the most points at Coda on the, on the day, but we kind of took ourselves out of, you know, winning contention by our strategy that we did. Um, I think I definitely would have, would have probably played a little bit more for a win. Um, you know, obviously, as you know, you guys, you know, we're, we're in it with us. Um, but, you know, if, if you can get that win, it, it just takes so much off your back. Um, you know, we were essentially playoff racing from, you know, early early July, maybe even middle of June. We were in a pretty tight points battle. And if you're able to get that win, that certainly kind of takes that off your chest and, and kind of lets you you spread out and, and try some different things and, and maybe maybe put yourself in a position to have a little bit more speed in your car just because you don't have to be so so conservative. So Definitely. I think if I had to do it over again, I would be, uh, you know, a small step more aggressive, but <clears throat> as you said, those points, uh, you know, they, they, without having a win, they were still, uh, valuable. So even at the, at the end of the day, you're still kind of walking a, a tight line of taking risks, but, but taking, you know, smart risks. I was gonna say, I, I, I thought you guys were pretty aggressive all year. I, <laughs> I was going to bring up Indianapolis, um, that call, oh, yeah. <laughs> that call to me was one of the best calls. And there was people don't know, or maybe realize there was some other circumstance that happened there it had nothing to do with the pit call itself. Um, but, uh, that call there, uh, pretty much should have put you right out front. Uh, if there wasn't, uh, some other issues there. Um, so I yeah. thought you, you guys were pretty aggressive. Yeah, that was another one. I, you know, I, you, you know, you kind of Monday morning quarterback yourself each and every week and, and, I could I could certainly go either way on that one again. Um, you know, like you said, I think we execute that perfectly and, and we come out with the lead and uh, potentially, you know, a chance to to hold off the eight. The eight was really good, you know, that entire day. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side, you know, being on old tires on those, you know, last uh, last restart there at Indianapolis, we kind of had a target on our back. 
uh, for people to to kind of use us up. So, um, yeah, I could probably do that one either way, again, honestly. But um, certainly, we'll uh, you know try to be aggressive and, and try to get ourselves out front when we can this year. You talk about being aggressive when it comes to strategy, but we kind of got the sense last year, and I said this in our early episodes of the podcast last year, that we almost saw a new Ryan Blaney last year. He seemed more outwardly aggressive, uh, even in some interviews, getting a little bit more fiery, <coughs> uh, a little bit more aggressive on the racetrack, um, even coming to the clash, <laughs> that which, I mean, everybody was kind of pent up and frustrated with that thing. But, you know, after he got spun, you know, he's, he wants to know who spun him and, and where it came from and um, do you think it's good to see Ryan kind of get a little bit more aggressive uh, than because he's always kind of been known or at least people see, seem to think he's a little bit more timid when it comes to racing. But we saw some more aggression out of him last year. Yeah, you know, it's it's um, it's kind of hard for me to to understand kind of not not having seen him, obviously, prior to this year, um, you know, at that that same level. But I've definitely kind of kind of heard that. And I think he had, um, you know, from. The early next gen testing, we had so much speed at, at every test. I think he had a lot of confidence coming into the year and, and knew that you know we were going to be able to be in contention to win a lot of races. And I, you know, obviously as as the season went on, I think that pressure just kind of uh, went up and up and up, and and you that probably drove a lot of a lot of what you heard. So hopefully this year we can get one early and kind of kind of you know take the monkey off his back a little bit and maybe go pick off a few more after that. So you didn't get that points win last year, but you guys did get uh, a victory in the all-star race, which did not come without drama. It seems like, a, honestly, if you go back to a lot of Ryan's wins over his career, there's been a lot of trauma going down to each of them. Uh, but was it, is it still fulfilling to go out there and win kind of one of those bucket list races, even though you guys didn't get a points win? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a, as a competitor, you want to win, you know, each and every race and, and there's not, uh, to be perfectly honest, there's not one race that you want to win more than the other. You know, every time you show up and you're at the track and racing other cars, you want to win. Um, so it was nice to get that. You know, we didn't, you know, back into it. We had um, solid speed throughout the weekend. So I, I was certainly proud that we were able to get it done at least once. So we we have the, the clash behind us here. And we are moving to uh, one of those big races, another bucket list race. And that's the Daytona 500 coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, you have uh, probably one of the best super speedway racers behind the wheel for you. And a guy that last year, maybe one moves goes differently. He was a Daytona 500 champion. He's also come close a couple of other times in that race. Um, what do you think your, your prospects are going into this race um, for 2023? Yeah, I think kind of the way everything has shaken out, um, you know, all the manufacturers last year, if you look over the course of the year, um, you know, each manufacturer kind of had their own niche, uh, kind of style of track. Um, you know, I think you saw the, the Toyotas were really fast at the speedways and, and maybe some of the mile and halves. Um, I think that, you know, the Fords and Chevrolets were a little bit better at, at the shorter tracks and, and maybe the other group of mile and a halfs. Um, over the off season, there's been, uh, minor changes, aero changes to, to, all the different manufacturers. And I think what you'll see is it's probably a lot more even. And I think those kind of niche tracks probably go away. Um, so with that, I, I, I I'm kind of looking at, at this year with all those speedway races are certainly our, you know, our, our, 
probably our our best chance to to go out and, and get wins. Not that we can't compete at other tracks, but I think those were places that we could win last year, and I think we're even going to be uh, a step more competitive this year. Now, with all these, uh, so I think every car has a different kind of nose going into this season. Um, and Steve will tell you that he doesn't like practice and thinks practice should be canceled at everything, but you guys don't have practice going into qualifying at Daytona. So you don't really know what those aerodynamic changes are going to be like on track yet. Does that make you a little bit anxious or are you, are you okay without having practice going into this Daytona 500? Yeah, no, I, I kind of, um, I'm okay not having it. I, I like the the challenge of, um, you know, trying to use your, your notes and resources other than practice to, to kind of put your best foot forward. Um, so no, I, I kind of accept that challenge and, and look forward to it. Now we, we talked about super speedways being a, a great opportunity for you guys to win. Do you have any other races circled on this year that you, I mean, you said you'd like to win any race, but is there anything on this year that you're really looking forward to that you think you guys are going to bring a good piece to? Uh, no, I, I think, uh, like I said, I think the speedways are definitely, you know, our best, certainly our best chance. Um, you know, the, I feel like we probably gave up really, um, you know, two Phoenix races uh, and a gateway race. Um, you know, I think we were probably the best car at, at honestly each of those races. So I, I think those are certainly places that we can compete for wins as well. Um, but look, at the end of the day, there's nowhere that, that I'm not excited about going to with Ryan Blaney because I think we can show up and, and contend for wins each week. Well, Jonathan, you know, uh, for myself and Steve, I think we really want to thank you for giving us the time to, to come on and talk with us come on and talk with fans of Ryan. And we really just wanted to, to let people know a little bit more about you and, and your story. Thank you guys very much for having me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Well, Steve, that was really awesome to have uh, Jonathan Hassler on us as our second special guest of the year. I just feel like every time we do one of these inter- interviews, especially with someone like Jonathan, that's a, that was an engineer by background, I just feel so much more educated about the sport. I don't know about you. It was uh, really great to learn, um, you know, some, some behind the scenes stuff. And, uh, you know, the more we learn uh, about these guys and what they're doing, uh, the more I really want to root for everybody. It's not just the driver. It's definitely the whole team, uh, the organization. I mean, the people at Penske themselves, um, they put together these, these special people. Everybody's got a great backstory. It seems like that we talked to and, uh, they're, they've all found a different way to, to their, to their, uh, career paths to Penske. And, uh, it, re- it really is great to listen to their stories and, uh, hear their insights in- into what makes them, uh, tick. Yeah. And I think it helps just to, yeah, like you said, for people out there, for fans, uh, folks on social media, just to get to know a little bit more about these these guys and 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 women that are they're in this sport, um, just to put a face to the name and and just kind of know where they're coming from and know what the stresses of their jobs are, what their expectations are, and that you know they want to see Ryan succeed, they want to see this this twelve team succeed, and uh, they're fully invested in it. And you have a guy like Jonathan that has an incredible background. Again, that engineering degree, which goes a long way in this sport, especially with the new next-gen car. So uh, we were definitely really excited to get to talk to him and looking forward to a more special guest joining us on the podcast uh, throughout the rest of the 2023 season. So, Steve, another season that we need to talk about is the upcoming season when it comes to the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. I've already had people reaching out to me on Twitter and our Discord chat uh, asking when they can sign up for the fantasy team or for the fantasy league. 
And so what I can report right now, at least, is that uh, according to the website, you're going to be able to get back on there uh, February 14th. I think that's a Wednesday. That's going to be ahead of the Daytona 500 uh, to make your picks. So the league was full last year. Uh, we filled up a f- the full 100 spots that were available. So the way we're going to work this out is if you were in the league last year, basically you carry over into the league again this year. So if you weren't in it last year, you might have to wait a couple of weeks for some spots to open up. And how I'm going to do that is I'm basically going to give everybody a two week grace period. So if you were in the league last year and you participated all year long, um, again, you're in this season starts with Daytona. And then we head out to the second race of the year. If you haven't made a lineup and you're at that zero point range after two races, you're going to get the boot and we're going to welcome in a new crop of Blaney fans. And you have plenty of time to catch up in points. So don't be too worried about missing those first two weeks. Uh, maybe join a, a couple other leagues out there to get things going and then join ours and maybe focus your attention on that because we have a lot of fun uh, week to week. You know, Steve and I kind of battle back and forth to see who's higher in the standings. We talk a little bit about our race picks. We talk about how our picks from the previous week went. We have a lot of fun with that. Um, and our goal every year is to uh, to award a prize out there uh, to the person that, that wins this thing and get them some sort of a trophy. Uh, so, again, I'll plead for Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, who's won this, this uh, league two years in a row, I believe, where I think I called him a ghost in Discord or on Twitter the other day. People kind of thought that was funny because we're not really sure they exist. They might be a bot. I don't, I'm not sure. Well, but they've they put some great picks in out there. So again, Clyde, uh, if you're out there listening to us, contact us because we want to get you a trophy. Yeah, uh, two time winner. Yeah, uh, some trophy, that, uh, some, some swag. You know, make him make him a team play any podcast t shirt or something. Now, uh, one def- other. Uh, incentive in joining the fantasy league this year is that NASCAR has started a brand new fan rewards program. So if you go to nascar.com slash fan rewards, uh, if you already have a fantasy login, you use that same exact login. Um, it's sort of like an app that you would get for like a restaurant or um, like a merchandise store or something where as you buy more things or you tend more races, uh, you participate in fantasy, you gain these bonus points throughout the year that you can in turn use uh, in their kind of shop that they have that's between merchandise, tickets, experiences. Uh, I think they have like a raffle going on there that you can enter your name in. Um, but if you participate in fantasy every week, there's bonus points for setting your lineups. If you participate for so many weeks in a row, you get even more points. So if you're already a member of the fantasy league, I would suggest sign up for this NASCAR fan rewards program. Um, and it'll just give you another incentive to make sure you're in there every week. Unlike Steve who missed a couple last year and set your lineup and make your picks. Um, and, uh, just keep participating because I think it'll just make things more fun, especially if you stay engaged with it all year long. Even when I miss one or two weeks. Um, yeah, you still beat me. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't want to say it out loud, uh, but okay. Thanks. Well, we'll see. So that's the, that's the kind of banter you can expect going <laughs> throughout the rest of this season as we battle it out in the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league. Um, and the Adam and the Adam Rogers household too. That's true. And I honestly, I, you know, we have, we've had Kate Mez on the show several times uh, as a guest host. And um, from what I understood from last year, it's, it's a team effort in the Mez household, which I didn't really know that was going on. And she, I think is really the brains behind the operation here. Whereas in my household, my wife is actually battling against me. So she holds, she holds back on you. She didn't tell you her strategies or nothing either. (laughs) No, she doesn't. You guys work together. So it is, that's when we talk about team Mez, it is truly uh, team mess <laughs> over there at, at your household. 
A um, couple other things to keep people up to date on and the fact that um, the Blaney Bunch fan club is back and revamped for 2023. Uh, I think they've lowered the price to enter uh, into the subscription for the year. Um, I saw that they were busy at work getting the membership packet sent out. I think you get a hero card. If it's your first time signing up, you get a bingo chip with your, your membership number on it. Uh, you're going to get some perks as far as merchandise uh, exclusivity. Uh, early access to merchandise that they have out there for Ryan Blaney and also for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Uh, all the proceeds for that Blaney Bunch fan club goes to the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and their efforts uh, with Alzheimer's and concussion research. So uh, Steve and I are both uh, charter members, I would say, of the Blaney Bunch fan yeah. club for the past couple of years. And we're really excited uh, to see what they have going on this year with this new kind of revamped version of the fan club. Yeah, the uh, the entry point's a little bit uh, a little bit. Uh better pricing and um they already saw some video of uh, leah putting together the packets that they're sending out to the members so uh you know if you haven't joined yet go ahead and join because there are some nice exclusive things they do for you um right off the bat uh one of the exclusive things is uh, uh a chance to uh to get in at the uh, the golf outing um they sent sent them an early uh, registration on those uh but it's uh that's released to the public now so but uh, things like that all year long, they'll get a you'll get a little bit earlier start on certain things that are Blaney related. So definitely uh, join the club so you can get that exclusivity. And that reminds me of another thing to keep folks updated on that they are going to do the second annual Drive for Good uh, Top Golf outing at the Top Golf University in Charlotte. Uh, this was an event that you know again supports the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and then specifically, I believe, the UPMC Sports Medicine Concussion Program. We were able to uh, attend that event last year, um, which was a fantastic event. You get to play, I think, a couple of rounds of Top Golf. They have a buffet, they have a silent auction, and then Ryan goes around to every single one of the booths um, for a chance to meet him and get a photo opportunity there. Um, really, really great event. And the cool thing this year, so last year they had one full row or one full level of Top Golf for the event. This year they've expanded it to have two and the opportunity for more fans to get involved in this. So there's like a friends and fans level um, that has a little bit lower price point, but where you're still contributing, you know, a pretty nice donation to the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and this Drive for Good event, um, but also get you access to the event. Um, I think it's about $250 if you get a single ticket. Um, but if you can get a group of six people together, that brings the price down to, I think, about $200 per player. Each yeah, again, each team is six golfers. Um, highly recommend this event to anybody out there that's a Ryan Blaney fan because, again, you will get that opportunity to see Ryan at some point throughout the night. Uh, but more importantly, you're going to su support you know, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and their causes, which is really near and dear to their heart. And I tell you what, the folks at the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation put on a lot of effort and hard work in planning this event. Probably for a, a, they've probably been planning honestly since the the, the lights went out at the Top Golf event last year. Um, but everybody up and down the organization puts so much hard work into this, and you can tell uh, that they're really really proud of the event they put on. Um, you know, we talked about the group of six, but even the individual, do the individual if it's just you and a friend or something like that. Um, do the individual because you know what's going to happen is you're going to get teamed up with three or four other people that are Blaney fans and you're going to get to meet other Blaney fans that, you know, and that's going to be really kind of a cool thing too, to get all those Blaney fans together in one place to do that kind of thing. Um, you know, we're already looking into it ourselves, trying to figure out uh, the logistics and so forth. Um, 
So, uh, you know, knowing what we know, uh, hopefully everybody that we know that listens and, uh, you know, if you, some other people that don't listen, let them know about it. Uh, want to see if we can fill that floor up that way. Uh, it, uh, you know, it shows good for, you know, the fans of Ryan too. Yeah. And make a trip out of it. I mean, if I believe this event's going to be leading into the Coca-Cola 600 weekend, um, you can go to the Nest car hall of fame. If you've never been there before, uh, go see all the sites in Charlotte. If you've never been to a race shop, go to go and see team Penske. They probably have one of the best experiences when it comes to visiting a race shop where they have a fan walk that overlooks, uh, all the cars that are being prepared for the week. Um, and get out to all those other places and then go out and see see a race and have some fun uh, at that Top Golf event. Again, highly recommended. You can find out all the information about that on the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation.org and also on all of their very active social media channels. Well, I think we had another very exciting episode. I definitely want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that dives deep into our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney and on Instagram at Team.Blaney. And Steve, uh, we just ventured into a new form of social media that I think we had to do some homework on, but we're trying our best. Yeah, we're the, we're popping out a couple TikToks already. Uh, <laughs> Adam put one together uh, that came out uh, right during the middle of the uh, of the uh, the clash. Um, I just uh, hurried up and did one here about tonight's podcast that'll be uh, coming out tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, check us out on on TikTok under Team Blaney also. Now. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to do some of those and maybe do some you know real quick. A little synopsis or something during the week, maybe after the qualifying races or after or after qualifying itself or something like that. This week, we'll put together a quick TikTok here in the uh, the wonderful Team Blaney Studios here in, the, in Northeastern <laughs> Ohio, um, uh, with my my beautiful backdrop. Um, so yeah, check it out. Um, you know, next week or you know next week we'll we'll do a little preview uh, of the Daytona 500, and then you know the week after that we'll get back to our normal. Um, you know, uh, re- reviews of the races. Uh, you know, we kind of like uh, we did a quite a little, quite a nice little review with Jonathan um, when, in our interview with him. So we really didn't feel like we'd have to go through it again here. Um, you know, but uh, in two weeks, it's it's for real. You know, so you know, right now, you know, it was a it was an exhibition, and we'll, we'll leave it at that. And uh, you know, in two weeks, it'll be the real racing. And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Established in 2018, this organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For now, and for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Well, thanks everybody for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.